Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Roman Reigns is back is... Randy Orton. Coming back, Tony Khan won't stop tweeting. Adam Copeland versus Christian is heating up. And this week in CM Punk returns triumphantly. This is not Sam Wrestling. This is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby, here we go. Hope everybody's doing great. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling once again. Another week in paradise, baby. Brought to you by the fine folks of professional wrestling. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling 469. Nice. It's been a very busy week. It's been a very busy week in this world of of professional wrestling. It's been a very busy week for me. If you feel like you don't get enough Sam Roberts on Not Sam Wrestling, in the last seven days, I was a I was a guest on WWE's The Bump, which you can watch on Peacock. I was a guest on Corey Graves After the Bell, hosted the most recent edition of After the Bell alongside Corey Graves, uh, which you, and Kevin Patrick, of course which you can get on the WWE's YouTube channel and wherever you get podcasts. And even on Friday, went in, did the last uh, few segments of Busted Open, and much to my surprise, and it was a legitimate surprise, they didn't tell me it was happening, honestly, because they weren't confident that he would get there, but he got there, baby. The nature boy Ric Flair walked in. I got to spend my Friday morning with Ric Flair. That is available on the Busted Open YouTube channel. Wrestling continues to to increase its its footprint across this vast global media landscape on Wednesday I think it was Wednesday a24 which is like I mean if you don't follow film a24 is like the biggest movie house there is right now everything a24 puts out whether it's a horror movie whether it's whatever it's always weird and it's always good they get nominated for awards non-stop. Everything, everything is good. If you stamp A24 before a movie, it has to be good right now. They don't have any flops. And their next movie coming out uh, for Christmas is The Iron Claw. The trailer dropped for The Iron Claw, which is the story of the Von Erich family. 
Um, and I thought the trailer looked so good. Something you can check out on YouTube. Again, just live your life on YouTube like I do. Uh, it looks amazing. Zach Efron playing Kevin Von Erich. That kid who's in that show, The Bear, and he was on Shameless playing Carrie Von Erich. Uh, MJF, he's not in the trailer, but he is apparently in the movie as uh, as the fake Von Erich. Uh, I, I can't wait to see this thing. I'm watching the trailer, and just from the trailer, there's a few things that I liked. Number one, it didn't spoil how it ends. So the people who don't realize what the Von Erich story is, obviously all of us are well aware of the story. We know what to expect. We know we're not going to have a pleasant night at the movies. It's going to be a tearjerker. But I hope the people that don't realize, I hope the people that are just sitting there watching The Bear or watching High School Musical going, ah, yeah, I'll support my guy, go in there and realizing they're going to hear a life-alteringly tragic story. But they didn't spoil the ending, even though it's a true story. And I felt like, and this is rare when it comes to portraying wrestling in Hollywood or any sort of like mainstream, it actually felt like they got it right. Like they realized they didn't have to dumb down this wrestling story to convince people to go see a wrestling movie. They realized that this universal story, this story that anybody would find compelling happens to take place within the realm of professional wrestling. And it seems like that's the way it's being portrayed, you know? Going back, I mean, world-class, you go back and you watch world-class. In terms of territory wrestling, world-class was so far ahead of its time. Specifically in the sort of sports entertainment WWE style, in terms of the camera angles, in terms of the movement, in terms of the music, in terms of the storytelling. I mean, world-class was like two decades ahead of its time. But uh, amazing, amazing stuff. I remember finding it when I was really getting into tape trading in like probably the late 90s. Is when, I mean, I was aware of it before then, but that's when I really started to get a ton of tapes of all the old world-class TV shows. And it's just so good. Boom, ba ba dum ba ba dum ba ba dum And the, the, the opening. Boom-ba-ba-boom. The opening would play. You'd have all your stars, Iceman, King Parsons, and the gentleman, Chris Adams, and everybody. It was so great. And, of course, the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. But watching it and seeing just in the trailer what felt like an accurate portrayal of at least the aesthetic of wrestling back then and seeing the Dallas Sportatorium shown like right there on the trailer, this building that's now been torn down, but was an absolute landmark in the world of professional wrestling. It just, it got me so excited. We don't get a lot of great wrestling movies. And I already looking at the trailer, my expectations are that this is very likely going to be the best wrestling movie since The Wrestler, possibly even better because the Von Erich story is just so incredible. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. I, I honestly, I can't wait to see the film, but we don't need to talk about movies based on wrestling because sometimes wrestling becomes a movie. I am so thrilled, not just because I did all those shows, not just because we got the trailer for The Iron Claw, but I am so thrilled because I get to come to you today and once again, dive deep 
into the story of the bloodline for the first time since August. Roman Reigns returns to SmackDown. And if you have spent any time with this podcast, you had to know that I was sitting there transfixed. I am just the biggest bloodline era Roman Reigns fan there is. And and Roman coming back to SmackDown did not disappoint. It was like, uh-oh, dad's home. The boss returned to the show. It, 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 it was that kind of vibe where it's like, oh, we've all been having fun because the guy in charge, the tribal chief, hasn't been here. But once Roman showed up, everything changed. The whole mood of the show changed. And everybody kind of had to uh, be responsible, take responsibility for all of their actions that had taken place since Daddy was gone, since Roman Reigns hadn't been on the show. And we saw that sprinkled throughout. The fact that, that WWE, and they've taken their time by building these stories over the course of the last year or two, and are now at the point where everything is getting interweaved with each other, but in a way that is so cohesive. It's almost jarring because it's what, as wrestling fans who follow these stories, it's what we've asked for for forever. I mean, it's the bare minimum. Just make it so the stories make sense. And you turn on SmackDown, and it's like once these stories start to make sense again, it is a pleasure to watch. So John Cena comes out and opens SmackDown. And again, we're just taking it for granted. We're getting John Cena on a weekly basis on SmackDown. Nuts. He comes out and he opens SmackDown only to get interrupted by Roman Reigns. Which it's like, okay, John, it's cute that you're here, but Roman's here. And you realize that there is no one. They finally got Roman to that point where it's like, regardless of who's on this show, that guy is the centerpiece. And it's not just because the company wants it to be so. It's because the audience accepts it. That's what's different. There have been plenty of times where WWE tried to portray Roman as the centerpiece of a show, and the audience just simply rejected it. We've gotten to the point now where the audience accepts it. And not only accepts it, but it's, it's a given. It's just the reality of the situation. So Roman interrupts John Cena and, you know, kind of goes, you know, it's cute that you're here, but acknowledge me. This is, this is my house. I can be gone for as long as I want to. When I get back, it's mine again. And, and the first thing that you, well, not the first thing, but one of the early things that you have to notice as Roman walks to the ring and it was acknowledged on commentary, which I love that it was acknowledged, is Paul Heyman looks refreshed again. We talked about it last week, maybe the week before, that I, I had that eureka moment where I realized that the reason that Paul Heyman hasn't been using his hair dye, the reason Paul Heyman has had shows where he looks unshaven and unkempt, where maybe he's not going to the makeup chair before he hits the camera, it's not exaggerated. It's not cartoonish. It's not like he's disheveled and he's wearing the Baron Corbin shirt and his hair isn't combed. It's just, it's the little things. He's still trying to present himself 
but right under the surface, you can see that this guy's falling apart. Everything is better again because Roman's home. The hair is back on point. He's tanned and made up, clean shaven, fresh as a daisy. And it's like, yeah, that's the impact that Roman has on the wise man. And that's the difference that we've pointed out for years. That everybody else that has been a quote unquote Paul Heyman guy, when you're a Paul Heyman guy, it really is giving a lot to Paul Heyman in terms of who's in charge here. It's going, yeah, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. I follow what that guy says. Roman Reigns is not a Paul Heyman guy. Paul Heyman is a Roman Reigns guy. That's a huge difference. And one that we, re even with Brock Lesnar, when you really look at the dynamic between Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar was a Paul Heyman guy. CM Punk was a Paul Heyman guy. Michael McGillicuddy was a Paul Heyman guy. Paul Heyman is a Roman Reigns guy. It's a totally different dynamic. So John Cena puts over Roman Reigns, and we'll get into that in a second. I'll get into what John Cena said to Roman Reigns. But in saying, look, no beef, Roman, no beef, he specifically said, you're the man, I haven't earned it. He basically, you know, gave Roman his, his props as, as the Iron Man, as the guy who's held that title for over 1,100 days. So it can't be touched. John Cena never came close, and he hasn't earned a title opportunity. But I know someone who has L.A. Here comes L.A. Knight. The fans go nuts. And Roman Reigns is looking around like, what? Which I loved. L.A. Knight takes the microphone from John Cena. But again, you have to look at the little things that L.A. Knight does in that ring to make sure that every moment he has, to make sure that the audience sees him as the top star he takes. There was no reverence for John Cena. Not hatred, not, not venom, not like, hey, maybe we're going to get John Cena versus L.A. Knight. Nothing hostile. Just know, oh, John, it's such an honor. None of it. When John Cena handed the microphone to L.A. Knight, symbolically passing the torch to L.A. Knight, he was staring right at L.A. Knight, and L.A. Knight was staring ahead. L.A. Knight was staring at Roman Reigns. L.A. Knight was looking at the crowd. L.A. Knight wasn't looking at John Cena. L.A. Knight wasn't going, oh, thank you so much, John Cena. Nope. L.A. Knight was accepting the microphone as if, obviously, this is what you're going to do. What else would you do in this situation? And then he starts going after Roman Reigns. Great promo. Uh, big moment for L.A. Knight. First time that, and again, every... I've been talking about this week after week. Every moment that LA Knight has, I feel like is a test. It's the match with The Miz where John Cena raises his arm. It's John Cena and LA Knight tagging. Now for the first time, LA Knight and Roman Reigns are in a ring together. I believe that there may not be a level of commitment to LA Knight that is like, yeah, for the next three years, you're the guy. I believe it's like, okay, they're into you. Let's see if they're still into you. Let's see if they're still into you. And now you've got to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Roman Reigns. And we're going to listen to the audience and see if they buy it. Do they buy the fact that you're the next guy to challenge Roman Reigns? 
And not only did the audience buy it, but they wanted it wholesale. Hook, line, and sinker. Every bit of it. When Roman and LA Knight were face-to-face, they booed Roman Reigns like the top bad guy that he is, and they cheered LA Knight like the number one good guy. That was the reaction that that audience had. And Roman Reigns brilliantly is looking into the audience in this, like, confused way, which I love because the implication is he hasn't even been watching the show. (laughs) That he goes home for three months after SummerSlam, and he's not even watching SmackDown at home. Like, he has no clue. He's perplexed as to why the audience is reacting this way to L.A. Knight. He hasn't been watching the pay-per-views. He hasn't watched the rise of L.A. Knight since the Slim Jim Battle Royal up until now. He's not aware of it because he doesn't watch the product. He doesn't follow the rules of not Sam wrestling because he's the tribal chief. He probably doesn't speculate wildly. He might even fantasy book Randy Orton in his free time. But I can tell you, he clearly does not watch the product. Because he was confused as to as to why LA Knight was getting this reaction. And he even said to him, what makes you think you can even stand in the ring with me? Are you crazy? What, now they're saying your name? Whose game is it? LA Knight, yeah. You know. And you can hear in the promo, you know, it always comes up. Everybody goes, well, you know, he sounds like Stone Cold. He sounds like The Rock. And he did sound like Stone Cold. But honestly, Roman and Cena used to get compared to Hogan when they were coming up. It's, it, is, it is what it is. There's always going to be influence. So the fact that now you've got Roman, who in going away for three months, has come back to this time when, for some reason, Jimmy Uso wants to be best friends with him, I mean, even though Jimmy Uso turned on him while he was back earlier, And there's now another top guy, right? When he left, it was like after he beat Jey Uso, he had beaten everybody. Well, guess what? You left and everybody became a wider pool. And now LA Knight is part of everybody. And you have not beaten LA Knight, no siree, Bob. So clearly it looks like that's the direction that we're going in, but... It wasn't just about, and, and and we got a little bit of physicality. I don't know if you saw this, but I believe WWE socials posted it. It was on like Instagram and Twitter on like over the weekend. But on Saturday, Roman Reigns uh, worked the live event. I believe he was in a match with Sami Zayn, or at least that's what was advertised. But it ended up with physicality between LA Knight and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns actually took LA Knight's finisher. And at the end, he was retreating from the ring with his title and LA Knight was in the center, you know, and now all the fans were cheering him and everything. And I'm sure this is because Roman hasn't had a match since SummerSlam, so he wants to make sure all that ring rust is knocked off before he makes the trip over to Saudi, presumably where he'll face LA Knight, I would think. But at the same time, you know, it's like you talk about all these stories intertwining with Roman Reigns because on that same show, you still had Roman trying to figure out what was going on with Jimmy. Like there was clearly hostility from Roman to Jimmy and Jimmy in this weird delusional place that he's in pretending like he didn't even realize it and everything's cool. Don't worry, man. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Just trying to weasel his way back in. Solo still being the loyal soldier that he is. 
But this realization that it's like Jey Uso is on the show as well. Jey Uso, as part of the Undisputed Tag Team Champions with Cody Rhodes, they can go show to show now because they've got both titles. So they're defending the Tag Team Championship on this show. And nothing has been made over the fact that Roman and Jay are on the same show until Cody and Jay beat the undefeated team of Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. And as they're exiting the ring, the Roman music hits. Man, Roman is back. And they made sure if we've got him on SmackDown, we ain't using him for one segment. No, 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 no. He is going to put his stamp on everything. And I go, wow, because we got this confrontation, but what we ended up getting was Jimmy and Jay kind of staring each other down. And I mean, you talk about satisfying. Roman coming out and staring down Cody Rhodes and just taking his time to when he finally spoke saying, this is my show, looking right at Cody. And it was the first time that those two, I think, had been in each other's presence since WrestleMania. Breadcrumbs are getting dropped. Michael Cole, the Monday after Fastlane, brought up the fact that Cody did not finish the story with some very pointed questions from one Michael Cole. But watching, I mean, when Cody saw Roman, because at first Cody is staring down Solo, and it's all good, right? But when Cody saw Roman, it was like he had seen a ghost. That's the guy who took my story from me. And there's also this thing, right? Cody has literally beaten everybody. He's beaten everybody that's been in front of him, except Roman. And I felt like that was written all over Cody's face. That's the guy I can't beat. That's the guy I haven't beat. That's the guy who took my fairy tale away from me. And Roman is looking at him saying, yes, yes, I am that guy. And I'm going to keep doing it. Don't you ever forget that. This is my show. And I'm going to take it away from you again. And seeing those two, I mean, it gave me goosebumps. Seeing those two stare each other down. WWE is, is, is firmly dropping the breadcrumbs to say, we don't want to distract you from this being a potential WrestleMania main event. You know, bringing out The Rock, myself included, had a lot of us going, maybe it'll be The Rock and Roman at WrestleMania. The Rock's talking about it on Pat McAfee's show. Forgive the interruption, but you guys know I love Display. To somebody who loves to decorate but has so many different interests, Display is, I mean, it's amazing. You can put stuff up. It looks classy. It looks professional. It looks installed. But then you can take it down, replace it with something else. Uh, they create awesome metal posters that take like 20 seconds to install, and they don't damage your walls. Ever since I was a kid, you know, I could never put posters up on the wall because my dad would freak out. No, it'll ruin the paint. It'll ruin the paint. It'll ruin the paint. So when I hear about this, all that trauma goes away. I feel free. I can I can look at whatever these amazing metal posters, that whatever they say to me. They got all kinds of licenses uh, 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 available. Star Wars, Marvel, League of Legends, uh, those flim flimsy blockbuster posters from high school. They're getting a serious upgrade. You can submit your own artwork to be turned into a display for something completely personalized. Maybe get something for the wife and kids. Put the family up there on a display. They'll think you're amazing. 
Your poster comes with everything you need to hang it immediately. Just pop the included magnet onto your wall and stick your disc plate onto it. You're all set. Best of all, you can save up to 40% when you click the link in our description and get ready to hang art. Discount will automatically be applied to your cart when you click the link. Or you could just use code NOTSAM when you visit Displate.com. That's Displate.com, code NOTSAM, or click the link in our show notes. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I think they're purposely leaving these breadcrumbs to say, I mean, there is a lot going on between Roman and Cody right now. A lot. And in this WWE, everything counts. I've been saying this. This is why WWE is so good right now because everything counts. We're not just going, well, Roman and Cody happened at WrestleMania. They've moved on. They absolutely have not moved on. Cody gave Roman the fight of his life and said a lot of stuff going into that WrestleMania. Roman stopped Cody from finishing the story. Neither of those two guys have let go of that. I thought Cody performed exceptionally well because Roman in those Roman's nonverbal skills, his promos are great, but his nonverbal skills have gotten so far beyond even good expectations. They're just so excellent that he's telling the whole story just with his face, just with his eyes, just with the way his jaw is being held. And Cody was able to match that. You saw every bit on his, you saw anger. You saw insecurity. You saw all of it all over Cody Rhodes' face. And that to me is what made that face off so very special. And I don't think we're going to continue to see Cody and Roman moments leading up. I just think it's one of those things where every now and then there's just going to be a little reminder that Roman doesn't like that Cody is looked at as the top guy still. And Cody doesn't like that Roman didn't allow him to finish the story. But like I said, everything, everything counts, you know? Roman reacting when Kevin Owens was announced as being the guy. You know, uh, when Jey Uso was traded to Raw, the announcement was made that eventually SmackDown would get a pick and SmackDown would get a superstar over there. A lot of people thought it was going to be Cody. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. 
Nah, nah. It was uh, Kevin Owens. So this does, I think, mean that the KO, uh, Sami Zayn split has happened. That's not to say they'll never team again. But I think the idea is that if they're not the tag team champions and they're not going to be the tag team champions, they're not just going to exist in the tag team division. You've got two main event stars. It's one thing if they've got the gold. But if they don't have the gold and they're not going to have the gold, what purpose does it serve having them together all the time? Instead, we can tell all these new stories. There's plenty of people for Kevin Owens to tell stories with on SmackDown. There's plenty of people for Sami Zayn to tell stories with on Raw. Maybe we're gearing up towards Sami Zayn going after the World Heavyweight Championship. Maybe this is a, a, a way that Sami Zayn can get one of those top titles, that Sami Zayn can have a run as a top-tier champion. Imagine Sami Zayn as the World Heavyweight Champion. It could be really, really cool. And then, of course, you know, the main event with LA Knight and Solo Sokoa and all that. It was great. It was all... All great and so many seeds planted for what lies ahead. Um, but I tell you, there's been a lot of discussion coming off of this and and before it, quite frankly, about the fact that John Cena is introduced as the greatest of all time, John Cena. A lot of debate. Greatest of all time. Why do they keep saying he's the greatest of all time? What even is the argument? that John and Cena might be the greatest of all time. And for me, Roman Reigns even took exception with it in the promo. I'm the GOAT. John Cena said, yes, you are. I bow down. I, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief, which good for John Cena. But I think the thing that makes John Cena arguably the greatest of all time and the greatest of all time, I mean, I'll call anybody the GOAT. Anybody who's awesome, I'll be like, yep, he's goaded, he's goaded, he's goaded. I don't care. Like, we, let's not be so stringent, right? Throw out as many flowers as you want to throw out. If you can make an argument that someone's goaded, make the argument that someone's goaded. What makes John Cena potentially the greatest of all time is I think his level of giving back to the business beyond Make-A-Wish, beyond everything, his level of putting the business first. And we talked about that with him a little bit earlier this year when he was here on Not Sam Wrestling. The interview's up on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. But the fact that he is as unselfish as any top guy has ever been. The thing that we talked about in the interview was the fact that he main evented WrestleMania 28 with The Rock, lost. Main evented WrestleMania 29, beat The Rock, got his win back. And instead of going, okay, now I, I get put over everybody. Now going forward, now that I've beaten The Rock, I need to just go beat everybody, which he could have, and a lot of top guys would. He never main evented WrestleMania again, right? I mean, WrestleMania 30, he's with Bray Wyatt. WrestleMania 31, he's with Rusev. You know, I WrestleMania, what was it, 30... Four, he gets, yeah, 34, he gets squashed against The Undertaker. Like, he never does a WrestleMania main event again. Not only that, but he wrestled in the opening match of this year's WrestleMania and lost. Not only that, but you could see it in the ring on SmackDown. 
his only purpose for being there on SmackDown was to take every bit of credibility that he has earned. And instead of allowing people to throw a parade for him, he first puts over Roman Reigns as going, I don't even deserve to have an opportunity at that title. That's something I've never done. You're the man. Then he also puts over LA Knight. And then when Roman Reigns and LA Knight start going back and forth, he becomes set decoration. He's just there as a top tippity top guy to go, well, since I'm a tippity top guy of all time, I'm just going to go and and talk about how great LA Knight and Roman Reigns are and then become set decoration and let them two take it. There's almost nobody that would do that in the in the top guy category. Most of the time, people are driven by egos. You know, they'll go over and they'll do what's right for business. They'll put someone over. They'll they'll do whatever, but they'll want to make sure that they get theirs too. Yeah, but I want I want to get mine too, right? If they're gonna let somebody beat them, you could beat me, but I'm gonna kick out right after three. So people, it's like little little things like that. Where it's like, okay, but you did did you really? Was this really about the other person? I don't think so. With John, I think so. The only person I think that even comes close to giving back to the business on the level that John Cena has, in my opinion, with my limited perspective of watching as a fan, it's probably The Undertaker. The Undertaker who's always been there, that's always taken on whatever match the company needs him to, that will put people over. You know, he didn't want to lose to Brock Lesnar. He said it in interviews. That wasn't his choice. Vince said, I need you to do this. He said, you got a boss, whatever you need. You know, I mean, and that's, you look at who was at NXT on Tuesday. John Cena and The Undertaker, of course. So, you know, I, I, I just think that that is something that we should acknowledge while we're talking about awesome people doing awesome things. Uh, speaking of awesome, I brought up NXT, uh, the Tuesday Night War this week was so fun. As a fan, it was absolutely spectacular. I jumped on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel and actually watched both shows live and did a running commentary. There's like a two and a half hour live stream that's still up on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel if you want to check it out where I'm live reacting to everything that went on on both shows. And this is the great part about having real competition, especially when it's head-to-head, is that when it's head-to-head and when you have competition like this, they are fighting for your eyeballs. And it's not just about the head-to-head competition. It's not like NXT only did this because of the head-to-head competition. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to look at the fact that they just signed their deal for SmackDown to come back to USA. They specifically said, this doesn't include Raw. Raw is up for grabs. They've been telling everybody who will listen that we'll move any of our shows. Like this, the rights are up next year and we are looking to see what Raw's home is gonna be. Maybe it'll stay on USA. Maybe it'll go to a streamer. Maybe it'll go to a network. Maybe it'll stay on Monday. Maybe it'll go to Thursday, whatever. We're ready to do whatever you need. I firmly believe that instead of making Raw and NXT a package, they're looking to increase 
the interest and the viewership in NXT so they can sell that as a third TV property. And instead of having two massive TV deals, have three massive TV deals. Now, that's the overarching goal. Clearly, there's a reason why, yes, we've been having main roster infusion on every show. But only one of them had John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman, L.A. Knight, and The Undertaker. And that was the one that went head-to-head with AEW. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. On a night where interest is going to be irregularly high, instead of whatever NXT usually gets, 800,000 viewers, combined, you're looking at whatever it was, 1.5, 1.6 million people watching both shows. That means there were like double the amount of wrestling fans watching wrestling on a Tuesday than there usually are. Which means that if you can you can you can get people, say lapsed NXT fans that maybe stopped watching after 2.0 became a thing and go, "Hey, this is what NXT looks like now." I know a lot of people who said, "Yeah, I haven't been watching NXT, but that looked cool. I'm going to tune in next week." Which is why it's imperative to maintain momentum, to not just tune in next week and have it look totally unfamiliar. And I think that they did a great job with that. You know, ultimately, the fact that they had their women's breakout tournament match, the fact that Ilya Dragunov was in that opening segment with Cody Rhodes, the fact that you had Cody Rhodes, you know, interacting with with the Tony D'Angelo family and with, with everybody, the fact that the the main event, even though it involved all the set decoration from the main roster, was Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker. That John Cena was there, but not only was he interacting with Carmelo Hayes, but he was also interacting with Trick Williams and furthering the Trick Williams story that we're going to see play out on NXT. There was a lot done in that show that leads to next week, meaning this week, that while you won't have main roster people, if you were interested, or the same main roster people, if you were interested in what you saw on Tuesday, then theoretically, it will maintain your interest when you tune in again. And that's got to be the goal, right? Whether it's Cody making the bada-bing tag team uh, battle royal, bada-bing, bada-boom tag team battle royal. I mean, look at what you've got. The bada-bing, bada-boom tag team battle royal. You have Cody tweeting out, that he did one last thing as the general manager. You'll find out what that is this week on NXT. They set up the number one contender triple that they're going to have with Carmelo Hayes, Baron Corbin, and Dijak. And not only that, but you've got this week is going to be all the fallout from last week that everybody was into. And then the week after that is Halloween Havoc Part 1. The week after that is Halloween Havoc Part 2. You should have bangers throughout the month of October, coming off of that special Tuesday Night War show, which puts you in a really sweet spot because if you can get people that don't usually watch NXT to tune into that show with all the big stars, and because they did that, they're tuning in to the week before Halloween Havoc. And because they did that, now they're invested in Halloween Havoc. So they're watching next week and the week after. You've now got people watching NXT four weeks in a row. That's your new habit. Guess what? We just got a new Tuesday night viewer. If it works. I think uh, ultimately the uh, rating scores ended up being with NXT getting something in the 900,000 range. 
AEW getting something in the 600,000 range. AEW put on a hell of a show too. AEW, I mean, the matches on AEW, the opening, the show with the Christian promo is doing some, the, the best work in his career. I keep saying that. And then Brian Danielson versus Swerve. Not only do we get this great match, Brian Danielson and Swerve, but you get to see that there really is uh, 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 an investment in Swerve being a main event AEW guy. And I love that because he is. That's where he deserves to be. And he put on a hell of a match with Brian Danielson. You had MJF on the show. You had the Adam Copeland uh, uh, segment and match at the end. Adam's first AEW match. You had a ton of great stuff happening on Dynamite as well. Obviously, they're not on in their regular time. But ultimately, of course, NXT won. I don't think there was ever a question for most of us, you know, once those commercials came out where they were like, you know, and they were, and then AEW was like, well, we're not going to have commercials for the first half hour. WWE was like, okay, neither are we. Right. And you're, and, and, and so everything is fire with fire. And NXT was in a position where they're like, we're going to show you what WWE does. And if WWE is going to do what WWE does at this point in time, it's going to be very, very hard to compete and beat that. Now, the fun thing is, because as I said, as a viewer, you've now got Dynamite putting on one of the best shows that they've done in a long time. And you've got NXT maybe doing the best NXT show they've ever done, all competing for our eyes. And depending on how the TV rights deals pan out, because they haven't said what night SmackDown's going to be on on USA, a year from now, next October, SmackDown goes to USA. We don't know what night. Could be Friday, could be Tuesday, could be any night. Could be Thursday. Could be Wednesday. And I say that to say that a year from now, we don't know where Raw, NXT, or SmackDown will fall during the week. They'll probably all three be on, but we don't know what night of the week. Which means a year from now, we could very easily have a situation where we go head-to-head every week. And if that is the situation, we win big. I personally hope it is. And I know people say, well, that splits the audience. But ultimately, I believe, if you've got two shows right now, wrestling being as hot as it is, if you've got two shows competing on that level, I believe that it will bring out the best in those shows. And I believe you will get more people watching both shows. I don't know if you'll get enough people where both shows, but if AEW's not on, I don't think NXT's doing 900,000 viewers because they're not loading up the lineup like that and there's just not this interest, this competitive interest that happens. You know, I'm not against uh, tribalism amongst fans. Uh, I, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think that it's, it's one of the things that make you, makes you a fan. It's one of the things that keeps things exciting. It's why we go to a football game and we cheer for one team and we boo the other. It's it's on a Tuesday night with those two shows going and, and you as a fan have an investment in one winning the night. You as a fan have an investment in one show being great. It makes it fun, man. And I got no problem with that. What I do think is bad is if you want a company to not exist. You know, the idea 
this whole thing, like, I think we're all in agreement as fans that when shows compete, we tend to get the best shows. I mean, even when Impact tried to go head to head with Monday Night Raw, I mean, it ended up not really being a competition at all. And the Impact shows were terrible. But remember that first episode of Raw? They brought Bret Hart back and had him reunite with Shawn Michaels. Like, it was a great episode of Raw because they were competing. Everybody needs to tune into Raw right now. It's that good. You want that as a fan. But that doesn't happen if both companies don't exist. I, I, I think that as wrestling fans, and as I've said before, we should always be considering if what we're doing is constructive or destructive. And as people who consume wrestling content, as people who create wrestling content, as people who love wrestling and wrestlers, I think we should want to be constructive for a few reasons. Number one, selfishly, we're going to get the best programming. Number two, we want wrestlers to be able to work. You want wrestlers to make the most money and have places to work. You want to know that if one company is taking an LA night and making him portray Max Dupree, that that performer who we know can do a lot better than Max Dupree can go to another promotion and do what he's supposed to do. We know that if WWE doesn't see what the rest of us see in Swerve, that Swerve can go over to AEW and become the star that he was always supposed to be. That if Aleister Black isn't doing what he should be doing in WWE, that he can go to AEW and become the star that he was supposed to be in, vice versa. If Jade Cargill has the potential to be a household name, that Jade Cargill doesn't just have to stay in the realm of AEW, she can go over to WWE. If Cody Rhodes has now brought himself up to the point that he's doing great, but he could be a WrestleMania main eventer, that he can go back to WWE and be a WrestleMania main eventer. We should want this. We should want everybody to succeed. We can like one better than the other, but the idea that you want one not to exist, I think is counterproductive to your own fandom. I think this came up a bunch this week with the Tony Khan tweets. Um, you know, and I'm not going to pretend to know how Tony Khan's uh, brain works, but uh, for Tuesday, like kind of leading up to the Tuesday and then coming off of the Tuesday, uh, a lot of tweets went out from Tony Khan's account, uh, a meme referring to some of the WWE higher-ups as bald assholes went out, probably not the most well-advised thing to send out. Um, Tony Khan tweeted, this week, two active decades-long rating streaks from two great legends were ended, with all due respect, until this week's head-to-head -head AEW on TBS versus WWE on USA. By the way, it was NXT. Uh, neither John Cena nor Undertaker had ever been on a WWE show with under 1 million total viewers and under 400K in the demo. I mean, it's not a great argument. It's not even a great insult. It's like, they beat you by a third. Your whole show didn't do two thirds of what NXT did. And Edge main eventing is 
especially with this first match back, is usually not a 600,000 thing. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say this. Like, there's no, you're not going to look better. Nobody's going to go like, oh, good one. You really burned him. Because if he cares that much about ratings, I mean, he lost. And then he was, I mean, he kept tweeting. He was taking shots at Vince McMahon. He was talking about contract tampering and everything. And I, I mean, I'm sure Tony Khan deals with whatever Tony Khan deals with. Um, if you looked at, at how he was tweeting, there may have been a method to the madness. Maybe the, the effort was to get people to look at his Twitter account because every time he would post one of these insane uh, tweets, the tweet right above it would be a match graphic of like, hey, look, it's like Rocky Romero versus uh, Mystico or whoever coming up on Rampage, right? And so one argument would be that maybe he's tweeting out this very controversial stuff so that people will go to his Twitter account and get eyes on his product. And it does get eyes on the product and it does get awareness to the AEW brand. But what are you doing with those eyeballs once they're there? If this is just an effort to get eyeballs on the product, what are you doing once the eyeballs are there? Which is why I don't know, you know, in hindsight, that may be what it is, but that may not have been the original intention. Um, you know, look, I don't think it's, I don't think it does him any good. I don't think it's well-advised at all. I think it's entertaining as a fan that there's drama going on, but I, I mean, I don't think it's going to make him look any better. But I also believe that when I look at the tweets that Tony Khan sent out, there's no doubt in my mind. If Twitter had been around in 1996, 1997, Eric Bischoff would have done this. And I don't know what Eric Bischoff has said about it. He's usually not very kind to Tony Khan. Eric Bischoff 100% would have sent out these tweets. Eric Bischoff was the guy who was breaking every rule. Eric Bischoff is the controversy creates cash guy. Eric Bischoff is the guy that was giving results to the show that he was competing with away on the show. It's something you didn't do in wrestling. Eric Bischoff literally went to the ring and challenged Vince McMahon to a street fight on his pay-per-view. Can you imagine if Tony Khan went to the ring and challenged Vince McMahon or Triple H to show up to full gear to a street fight, people would go, this guy's totally lost it. That's what makes me believe that if Twitter had been around, I mean, he, Eric Bischoff used every other thing he could. I mean, at one point when Eric Bischoff was in charge, WCW used to go to break with stingers. That's not like the stinger, woo! Not like the fatal encounter stinger, but like little two break quick videos. And would say WCW where the big boys play. And it would be like a clip of a match just showing some action. But every single one of them was a guy currently in WCW beating up a guy who used to be in WCW that was now in WWE. It would be a clip if Vader had gone over to WWE. It would be a clip of Sting beating up Vader. If Cactus Jack, if Mankind was in WWE, it would be a clip of, of Cactus Jack getting beaten up by whoever. Ric Flair, if he were back in WCW, beating up, you know, whoever it was. But every single clip was a current WCW guy beating up a guy who had left WCW and was now in WWE. They used everything at their disposal to cause a ruckus and to take shots. So the idea that this has never been done before, it's just that it has never been done before with a Twitter account. And a Twitter account 
is I feel like more exposing, more human and more personal. So it comes across as, as less professional and maybe times have just changed, but yeah, I 100% think Eric Bischoff would have done this exact same thing. And while we're talking about AEW, I do have to say that the story that is currently being woven between Adam Copeland and Christian is terrific. I mean, Christians go F yourself, just mumbling it, just quietly saying it into the microphone. The promos that they've had in between each other. Now, I don't know if I personally love the idea that all these other stories are getting intertwined with it. Like, I don't know if I need FTR versus Ricky Starks and Big Cass getting intertwined in the Adam Copeland Christian thing. I don't know if I need the BCC getting intertwined in the Adam Copeland Christian thing. Maybe they're just adding all these elements so you can hold off Adam Copeland versus Christian for as long as possible. Maybe you don't want to do it at full gear. Maybe you want to do it longer. And if you can have more elements, then you can do, you know, Edge and Brian Danielson versus Christian and Luchasaurus at the pay-per-view. And then that way you don't have to, you don't get to Christian versus Adam Copeland until whatever. If they do a December pay-per-view, if they do a January, February pay-per-view, whatever it is, that could be the reason. But if it's not, you know, I don't know. I kind of wonder what would happen if uh, Edge turned heel. If this whole thing ended with, like, what if Christian beat Adam Copeland? What if when they finally had their match, Christian beats Adam Copeland? And then the next Dynamite show, Christian is mixing it up with somebody else. Adam Copeland comes running out. We all think that he's going to beat up whoever it is attacking Christian. And instead he defends Christian and he spears the guy beating them up. And I don't know if maybe he doesn't join Christian, but maybe Christian like gifts him Nick Wayne or something like that. So Edge does have a second because what I'd still would love to do, I'm sorry, I keep saying Edge, Adam Copeland. What I still would love to do is get Adam Copeland back to a place, you know, if they're going to call him the rated R superstar, like back to, you know, WrestleMania 24 era edge, edge heads era edge coming right off of the ultimate opportunist, like just the dastardly heel. It doesn't have to happen right away. At some point, I would love it if edge told the story and became this guy of, Look, I'm not here as a veteran to put over the young guys. I'm not here to work with the young guys and to make it better. I'm not even here to make AEW better. I'm here to get. I'm here to take. I'm here to be the man, to make the most money, to get the most action figures, to be in all the video games, to be on every show, and most importantly, to have the title. The greenhorns back there have no idea the stuff that I've done in this business to make sure that I get ahead. And I'm ready for another run. I didn't get my last run. He could say, because, you know, yeah, I've been around the block and yeah, I'm a veteran, but I had seven years stolen from me. Seven years. I'm not on my retirement run. I'm making up for lost time. 
And all these kids want to come in here and think that this show's about them. This show's not about them. This show's about me. And that would lead to us getting a heel Adam Copeland versus a babyface MJF for the AEW championship. If Adam Copeland was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not here to bow down to the next generation. Because the simple fact is that MJF is a flavor of the month. MJF has been over for a year and a half. I've been over for a decade. You know how many main events I've been in? You know how many moments I've had? You know how many people I've worked with? And I'm still the man. It's easy to do this when you're in your 20s. Do this for 20 years and then you tell me who's the top guy. And I'm not going to sit here and have MJF have his moment when I haven't had mine. So MJF, I'm not here to build you up. I'm here to take it away from you because it's my time, not yours. And then he does whatever he has to do to destroy MJF's legacy. He, he, he becomes the asshole. He becomes the ruthless guy. He becomes the heel against MJF. And that doesn't have to happen in three weeks. That could be a year from now. But eventually, I'd love to see it because I think that Edge still has it in him. But that's wild speculation. And speaking of uh, wild speculation, uh, there's a lot of speculation that is running wild about rule number three. I am getting requested again. Sam, is it time you told us you would tell us when it was time to break rule number three? Is it time to break the rule? Is it time to fantasy book Randy Orton? And the answer is absolutely not. No, of course not. Rumors have started circulating again, again. Oh, I don't know, but Fightful Select said it this time. I don't care who said it. I don't care who said it. I've heard it before. I've heard it so many pay-per-views, Randy Orton's returning, and he doesn't return. Randy Orton is reportedly training at the PC, and we have seen photos. We know he's at least been to the Performance Center. He's supposedly training at the PC. He's been gone since May 2022. And they say that they're getting ready to bring him back for Survivor Series. Who says, you ask? The internet. So it has to be true. I'm not getting burned again. You want to get burned again, get burned. Get burned. But I'm sitting here and telling you, they told me who was buying WWE. They told me this one was returning. They told me that one was returning. They told me this one was building a faction. They told me that one was building a faction. They said this one's going to be the champion. They said that one's going to be the champion. They were wrong. They led me astray one too many times, and I'm not going to sit here and just because one quote-unquote news story has resulted in every wrestling account on Instagram and Facebook putting out a graphic that says it's going to happen, it means absolutely nothing to me until it happens. You're not going to trick me. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not saying it's inaccurate. I'm saying I don't know that it is accurate. And therefore, I'm not going to keep pretending that it is because I've been burned too many times. I was born at night, but not last night. You're not going to have me coming in here and thinking, well, hey, Randy Orton's returning, so let's start fantasy booking. How do you know Randy Orton's returning? Because I saw a meme on, in, on Instagram. 
No, look, it's exciting. Talk about everything changing since Roman Reigns has been gone for three months. Think about May, 2022. The whole world is different since Randy Orton was gone. There's so much for him to do. It's gonna be the biggest thing in the world when he comes back, if he comes back. But who knows if he's coming back and you're not going to get me. It is not time to fantasy book Randy Orton, period. We will be watching it though. And I'll tell you when it's time. I'll tell you what it is time for this week in CM Punk. That's right, it's not over yet, baby. We still got another This Week in CM Punk because now, last week's This Week in CM Punk was that uh, he was in talks with WWE, again, just like Randy Orton, to come back at Survivor Series. And I saw every Instagram account had a meme that CM Punk was coming back at Survivor Series. Now, This Week in CM Punk is that he wants to come back, get this, and he talked to WWE about coming back and WWE turned him down. I mean, if this isn't screaming internet wrestling gossip, I don't know what is. These are non-stories. These may or may not have an iota of truth somewhere sprinkled in there. It's fun to talk about. It's hilarious if it's true, but there is nothing that I have read, no matter who has said it, that would lead me to believe that I can matter-of-factly tell you the way some people matter-of-factly tell you that that actually happened. How would we know that? What source would that come from? That CM Punk asked WWE to come back and WWE said no, and that was it in the end of the conversation. Where is that coming from? Because there's no way that anybody who's in that room would give you that information without it having a direct purpose. And if it has a direct purpose, you have to question the veracity of the information. So it's got a lot of people talking and it's fun to talk about. And you can speculate wildly, that's part of the rules. But I said take it with a grain of salt, as many grains of salt as you want. There is, he is not any more or less likely to be returning at Survivor Series or any other time than he was last week or the week before or two weeks before that. CM Punk is still totally on the table in terms of uh, fantasy booking. What would you do if? It's certainly nowhere near definite that he is coming back, and it's certainly nowhere near definite that he ain't coming back. Even though I saw the meme on Instagram, just like you. And while we're talking about great segments that everybody loves here on Not Sam Wrestling before, now I'm not talking about emails. I'm talking about our new segment that we debuted last week. It's called, That's Not Just Wild Speculation. That's a spoiler. Here at Not Sam Wrestling, I proudly say that we were the first to speculate wildly. Bef while Jade Cargill was still in AEW. I think it was like two weeks before the rumors started that she was leaving AEW and going to WWE. She was. It was before the match with Chris Statlander. I said in a moment of wild speculation that Charlotte or, or work needed to be done with Charlotte so that that character became much more human and much more relatable 
so that she could be met with a new supervillain. What you want, I said then, is for Charlotte to show some humanity, show vulnerability. For the first time, the queen seems like a real person and then this new superhuman, what Charlotte used to be, comes in and threatens her reign. And that superhuman was Jade Cargill. I said it then. Jade Cargill, the doomsday to Charlotte Flair's Superman. And the reason that that's not just wild speculation, that's a spoiler, is because after that show, not only did Jade Cargill get signed, but as she's been popping up, you know, at Fastlane, she came out of the car. At NXT, she came out of another car in another insane outfit that I can't believe she just drives around in. And then on SmackDown, she shows up again in blue from head to toe. And what does she do while she's there? She doesn't get out of a car. We didn't see the SUV that drove her up. Instead, the first thing that Jade Cargill does in terms of interacting with another member of the WWE roster is stares down Charlotte Flair. People have brought up the matches. Jade versus Bianca. Jade versus Rhea. Jade Cargill versus Charlotte Flair is Doomsday versus Superman. Jade Cargill versus Charlotte Flair is I'm coming for your spot. I mean, it'd be easy to make the argument that Jade Cargill is the new Charlotte Flair. The size, the athletic ability, the glamour, the ability to transcend wrestling, to walk around portraying that superstar, being a superstar, no matter where you go. That's Charlotte's pocket, and Jade is sliding right into it. Now, I don't think that this is teasing a match. I don't think that this is announcing this is where we're going first. I don't think that this is announcing even that Jade is going to be on SmackDown. You know, I think that that Jade is just being sprinkled in while she's here. And the work is being done now to figure out exactly where she is because eventually the bell's got to ring. So we've got to figure out exactly where she is in terms of how to portray her best in the ring and then go from there to tell the story. And I think that's what we're going to do. I think she'll be on the season premiere of Raw, probably in red head to toe. Maybe that's when she'll stare down Rhea Ripley. Uh, maybe that's when she'll stare down Becky Lynch. But remember... It's not just wild speculation, it's a spoiler. And the next one, I'll tell you right now what the next one's gonna be. The next one's gonna be what I said a couple weeks ago. What did I say a couple weeks ago? Before John Cena leaves, what do we need to see? We need to throw it back. We need to run it back to John Cena versus Umaga. And we need to get Solo Sokoa versus John Cena one-on-one. In the opening for SmackDown last week, the entire time that LA Knight and Roman Reigns were arguing back and forth, Solo was locked on John Cena. Solo wants John Cena in the worst possible way. In the main event, Solo's concentration was on John Cena. Nothing is by mistake. Everything counts. 
I believe that it was announced that John Cena would be on SmackDown in October and November or September and October. He'll be gone for November. I think that we very well might get a John Cena match at Crown Jewel. I believe that John Cena match will be against Solo Sokoa. I believe that Solo Sokoa will beat John Cena. Hey, it's just wild speculation. But is it? Real quick news and notes before we get to emails. Uh, Shout-outs to our man Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis announced as the new SmackDown general manager ever since they made Adam Pearce a full-time authority figure on the show. Uh, I've thought that they should have separate authority figures. If you're going to do authority figures, you should have separate authority figures for Raw and SmackDown. There should be somebody who, in storyline, is working towards SmackDown's best interest and Raw's best interest. You know, when you've got superstars being traded from brand to brand, when you've got drafts happening, it's hard to believe that the same guy is managing both shows. Now, Triple H did a good job when he made the announcement on SmackDown of making it clear that Adam Pearce had never been general manager, that Adam Pearce was simply a, an official. But now Adam Pearce is the GM of Raw and Nick Aldis is the GM of SmackDown. And I love it because I think both will play a, a role that is more understated, a role similar to what Adam Pearce has been playing as an official. Whereas in the past, the GMs are either power hungry or they're baby faces that want to give the heel a comeuppance or whatever it is. I think that that both Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis uh, will kind of be understated and just characters that allow the show to continue to happen. They're really just devices as characters that provide logic for some of the decisions being made and a face to, to go with it. So I think that that's great. Uh, I'm really happy for Nick. You know, he was on this show when he left the NWA. Um, I think he's an awesome dude. And I love that he's, that he's found this spot. You know, you never know where you're going to end up in this wacky world of wrestling. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't have even thought to ask him what he thought of this as a possibility because it wasn't, I mean, it's, it's who saw this one coming. But I'm super excited for Nick. I'm super happy for him. And I also love that apparently WWE loves former NWA champions. If you've been an NWA champion, you might be ready to be a GM. I don't know. Maybe Tyrus gets an NXT run. We'll see. Who's to say? You're to say. How are you to say? Through email, of course. You want to have your uh, opinions heard here on Not Sam Wrestling? Email notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Also, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to leave uh, something in the comments. Hit like on this video, subscribe to the channel, and watch everything else that we post uh, throughout the week. We will have more content again this week, uh, probably on Wednesday or so, I would imagine. Uh, let's go to uh, my man, Kanjay. Hey, my man, uh, a crap ton of dopamine went into my brain when you referred to me as a regular two weeks ago. Appreciate that. Here's uh, two simple questions for this week. They better be simple. What are your favorite last man standing matches off the top of your head? Rock versus Mankind is a go-to, definitely, from the 1999 Royal Rumble. Or I guess that was I Quit. But they treated it like a last man standing match. Uh, 
Um, I don't know. And then who is the king of each of the big four pay-per-views for you? Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. I mean, that's an annoying question to tell you the truth because it actually takes, I think WrestleMania is Sean, SummerSlam is Brock, uh, Survivor Series, I, I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. And uh, I don't know, Royal Rumble, might be Sean again, might be Brad, might, I, I don't know, Hunter, I don't know. I don't know, man. You have to, that's like a really thoughtful question. I'd have to put some time into Ultra Boy, Sam, someone had asked this question, which is better, Vince versus Shane, WrestleMania 17, or Ray versus Dominic, WrestleMania 39? Definitely Ray versus Dominic. Ray versus Dominic ruled. Maybe history will dictate the best match of WrestleMania 39 both nights. Also, I always want to know what are your thoughts on the year-long story between Matt Hardy, Kane, Lita, Schnitzky, and Edge. Uh, I think it's the most interesting storyline in WWE history. If you're not going to give me serious questions, I'm not going to give you serious answers. Uh, <laughs> Sean writes in, I'm a lifelong WWE fan, been listening to you for two years now. Appreciate that. I find your podcast fun and insightful. I hope that it is both those things. I have a question for you. Why does WWE block out the finish of a match? For example, when EO Sky hit Charlotte Flair with a moonsault, the screen goes black. I remember a time when they showed the finish on TV, maybe during the Attitude Era. I don't think they've, I don't know that they've traditionally shown the finish on TV. Uh, usually it was even an agreement with the pay-per-view. Sometimes they showed a still and played the commentary over it. They didn't go to black. They'd play the still. You know, I think the idea is that you're not going to get all the clips from the premium live event on the show. I don't know if it's effective or not. I just think that's the philosophy. Um, I think it might have been a legal thing in the pay-per-view days, but I'm not sure. Uh, Nicholas writes in, uh, hey, boss, whose game is it? Sam, Ra, Birds. Yeah, I like that. Can you explain the frame in the upper left? It looks like a drawing of a vintage Mattel figure with your face on it. Uh, wild speculation, forced to be separated. Sammy, uh, Kevin Owens will turn heel and will interfere in a tag match to make Cody and Jay lose the title. Mm. If Cody and Jay lose the titles, then they go to Raw. They're both Raw stars. And what do you, I mean, is the idea to go with Jay versus Kevin with Kevin as a villain? Again, Jay's a Raw star, so... I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to walk me through that one. And this drawing right here is actually a drawing of myself done by, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it uh, behind my shoulder, done by Ron Rudat, who drew all of the original WWE Hasbro action figures. He designed them. So he did this drawing. It's an original by him, and it's me as a Hasbro WWE action figure. Um, let's see. Uh Kid Boo, he writes in, what's the haps? Uh, I want to say keep up the good work. I know f uh, flirting will get me a long way. It will. It absolutely will. Uh, I just would like some form of the video essay-like podcast to return. Uh, what are you talking about? I enjoy the wrestling history lessons, which is why I go back to watch your show on WWE Network. Yes. As a fan, I would like more of these, please, including one where you fantasy booked the past. Hey, bro, don't talk to me. Hit up WWE. If they want to bring back Not Sam on the WWE Network, it ain't because I've been saying no. Hit them up. You want a season two? All they got to do is order them apps. Also, I find it funny how three weeks ago we wanted Roman versus The Rock and all it took was a stare down on SmackDown. 
to get us wanting Cody versus Roman too. Basically, I'm saying we should let the WWE cook. They're on a really good run. Bro, you said it. 100% right. Couldn't agree with you more on both points, but yes. Let them cook, dude. Let them cook, and we'll be here to comment on it. They haven't always known what they're doing, but today, they know what they're doing. Uh, Poncho writes in, first-time emailer, my man. Quick question, hypothetical situation that both world titles are busy at this year's Mania. Who do you think is a worthy opponent for LA Knight to keep his momentum going? That's a great question. Okay. Um, um, if Gunther's still the Intercontinental Champion, that could be a thing. You know who you do? Logan Paul. That's what you do. LA Knight versus Logan Paul is my WrestleMania match. As a matter of fact, at the end of Logan Paul's atrocious fight with Dylan Danis, he called out Rey Mysterio. If he beats Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship, let's say at the Royal Rumble, and then he keeps the United States Championship, I say LA Knight versus Logan Paul for the United States Championship at WrestleMania. How do you like that? I like it. I, I'm actually pretty proud of myself. Uh, Joel, love the pod. Always look forward to it. Appreciate that. I have a speculative question for you. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Uh, with where the bloodline is and has been over the past number of months, I feel like we might be getting a fatal four-way match for the titles between Roman J, Jimmy, and Solo at some point sooner than later. Maybe. Should this happen and happen before WrestleMania 40? I don't know. I don't see it happening, to tell you the truth. I don't think it should happen. I don't know the benefit of it. You know, I just... Roman beat Jay. Like, who in the bloodline? I, I, I think, you know, where Jimmy's at, I don't see how it would make sense. Roman would win, and the other three would look like idiots after it. I just don't... Uh, it doesn't work for me, brother. At some point, Solo turns on Roman, and I feel like Roman goes babyface. I've been saying that for, I feel like, a year at this point. But... Yeah, I don't need a four-way match between the bloodline personally. But I'll tell you when we get there, I might I'll probably change my mind based on the story. I'm letting them cook, baby. I'm letting them cook. Chris writes in, I acknowledge you as the best wrestling podcaster. I appreciate that. And absolutely loved your appearance on the After the Bell podcast. I appreciate that. The conspiracy theory KP brought up about the bloodline was fascinating. Yes. My question is: have you ever guest hosted Raw or SmackDown? If not, how can we make that happen? Good question. I have not guest hosted Raw or SmackDown. I have been a guest uh, backstage interviewer on SmackDown last year. I did that. Uh, I don't know. Tweet Michael Cole or something. I don't know. I don't know who makes those calls, but they're not calling me. Uh, but I, yeah, find out who makes those calls. Tell them to call me. I'll be there. Put up the not Sam signal. I'll be there. Dean writes in, what do you think of the term number one contender? I feel that back many years, WWE used this term all the time to describe challengers for titles and even had number one contender matches very frequently, but have seemingly gone away from this. Do you think they should use the term more and even bring back these type of matches? Yeah, they, it started to become like a championship opportunity instead of number one contender. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the term number one contender. I, I I, mean, the logic might be, well, well, who's the number two contender? We don't list, like there's no list, so how would you know? Um, also, they might want to give themselves the runway to have somebody 
win a championship opportunity, but not be the next guy to face the champion. And if you're the number one contender, there shouldn't be anybody fighting for that championship before you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the term number one contender. I've never had a problem with it. Um, Jacob writes in, how do you feel about Brock Lesnar ending Kofi mania with one single F five? I thought it was great. It was terrible. What do you mean? How do I feel? How does that, have you ever met anybody that was like, man, that was great when that happened. It was the biggest bummer ever. It was like, they gave us the most amazing moment only to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah that was for you. We're going to do one for us now. It was a huge bummer, huge bummer. I mean, look, at least it was Brock. So it's not, and it was for the greater good, I suppose, but could have given Kofi a little offense there a little bit. Um, Oh, coming in from India. I don't want to ruin your name. Divi, I'll just call it. Div, what up, Div? I've been listening to your podcast for a very long time. Appreciate it. In my opinion, Drew was the perfect candidate to dethrone Roman, who seemed believable to me, apart from all the other challengers that faced Roman, including Cody. What's your opinion on this? I think Drew was the perfect one, and then Sammy was the perfect one, and then Cody was the perfect one. I think LA Knight will be the perfect one. Maybe, you know, I, and, and it goes on from there. Cody will be the perfect one again, and The Rock will be the perfect one. That's what's so great about this reign. That's why you got to let WWE cook, as that last emailer said. That the only thing that makes it okay that they didn't execute at the perfect time to take the title off Roman Reigns is somehow they always find another perfect time to take the title off Roman Reigns. And they still don't do it. Uh, let's see. Kevin says, first time emailer. What do you think of Rhea Ripley uh, helping McIntyre turn heel and winning the title from Rollins and thwarting Priest at Crown Jewel? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't see Damian Priest turning babyface, so... Drew and Rhea are clearly going to be a thing and soon. That's possible. I do wonder if Drew is going to join the Judgment Day or if Rhea is going to leave. And if Rhea is going to leave, where does that leave us with Dominic? Because Rhea and Dominic is too good together. Um. Yeah. Okay. I think I. Uh, I think I tackled that one. Uh, Simone or si Simon. Simon. First time emailer. Uh. Thank you for the content. Always the highlight of my week. I appreciate that, man. I would love your opinion on this wild speculation. LA Knight wins the Royal Rumble and challenges Seth. Uh, okay. Gunther, who will have lost his title at a certain point in time, puts himself in the match. Gunther pins LA Knight. Everybody wins. Seth can take time off without being pinned. LA Knight can main event WrestleMania. Gunther gets a well-deserved world title. Yeah, it doesn't work for me, pal. I mean, nobody, LA Knight doesn't win in that scenario. LA Knight loses twice. Because, yeah, he won the Royal Rumble, but then he didn't get his one-on-one -on -one match, and he lost, and he's the one who got pinned. You know, I don't... I don't see LA Knight shining coming out of that, especially because going into that match, everybody's going to want to see LA Knight win. I mean, everybody's going to think that, like, you can actually... Like the, the idea I would think would be LA Knight wins by pinning Seth. Seth goes away and then Gunther chases LA Knight. Works a little better for me, but Gunther pins LA Knight. I mean, you got the whole crowd saying his name. You want to bury him in a stadium? That's not cool. Uh, <laughs> Avic 
says, uh, what do you think WWE, when do you think WWE would change up those horrific tag titles? I live in the UK and it looks like the wrestlers wear giant 10 pence coins around them. I used to have those 10 P coins. I, I grew up in England. I spent four years in England as a kid. I had those one pound coins, the 10 P went to Woolworths. It was great. Um, P.S. would be cool if you came to London to do a live show. Find a venue. Find a venue that'll fly your boy in and I'll do a live show there and I'll do 10 live shows there. I love London. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think they'd have to commit to the fact that they're not gonna split up the titles. And it's been a long time. It's been like a year or more since they've had them combined and I don't see them splitting up anytime soon. But I think they wouldn't wanna get a new belt and then split them again. So I think that that's, and then, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the only holdup. Uh, okay, Jason, what did you think of the trailer for the Iron Claw movie? I'm going to let that slide. I already talked about it, but maybe it wasn't so obvious I was going to talk about it, but I already talked about it. Um, let's see. Uh, just want to let you know, you're the best wrestling podcaster in the world today. I agree. Keep up the good work. Since Wardlow has returned, I noticed that the tape on his left hand is written as MJF, yes. And I'd love to see that feud uh, just like last year, but this time with the roles reversed, MJF is a face, Wardlow is a heel. My question is, how do you see that story playing out? Um, yeah, okay, no, I'm with it. I've seen the MJF written on his tape. I love that idea. I love the idea of Wardlow tearing through the whole roster just so he can get to MJF. I love the idea of Wardlow telling a story where MJF was selfish, where MJF, uh, in the biggest night of Wardlow's life, MJF made the whole story about himself and throwing a tantrum and blah, blah, blah. And then MJF can come back with the fact that he put Wardlow on this pedestal. He gave Wardlow everything and Wardlow couldn't do anything with it. I think you can easily, just in the tonality and the attitudes, make MJF the babyface and Wardlow the heel. MJF can express that War he put Wardlow on the pedestal and Wardlow did nothing with it. Wardlow expresses that MJF made it about himself when it was time to be about Wardlow. The difference is MJF does his stuff through talking and Wardlow beats the stuffing out of MJF every chance that he gets. That's how Wardlow is a heel. I'm with it, dude. I'm with it. Uh, Thomas writes in, I want to say thank you. Your podcast gets me through my work day. Incredible. Now, the real reason I emailed you, I have predictions on what's going to happen at Survivor Series. Predictions or wild speculation? So we all know at Survivor Series War Games is going to be the Bloodline and Judgment Day against Cody, Kevin, Sammy, and Jay. Who the fifth guy is, is undecided. Anyway, I have two predictions. The first prediction is AJ Styles. Um, and that's that he's the fifth partner. Uh, but Jay will turn on Cody. Okay which was set up for Cody to go one-on-one -on -one with Jey Uso at WrestleMania and Rock and Roman night two. Prediction two, uh, another part of me wants to believe that Jey will be baby, stay babyface. Who is that surprise? Speculate wildly. CM Punk being the surprise partner. Um, I don't think either of those two things. I mean, AJ is a possible one. I think LA Knight will probably be the fifth. I think... I think... If they've got Rock for WrestleMania, maybe they'll do... I think this is what they're... I, I think if they get Rock for WrestleMania, they may, they'll they either do Jey Uso versus Cody or CM Punk versus Cody on night one. 
and then Rock versus Roman. If they don't have Rock, they'll probably still do Cody versus Roman, unless they do Randy versus Roman, but we're not fantasy booking Randy Orton. I think you've got to figure out if you're going to do Jimmy versus Jay at WrestleMania because there's a reason we're keeping them separated. We haven't seen that match. I think that's a match people are waiting for. I think there's a good chance that headlines night one. So, but if you got Rock and Roman and Cody and Punk, it's not going to headline any of them, but it will be a big match. So we'll see. Uh, Corey, been listening to your show religiously post WrestleMania 39. I love hearing that. Uh, I was sure to plug your pod to my brother, who's now also a weekly listener. That's uh, keeping the families together. You guys talk about this. When you get when you get together, it's great. Uh, we made time to attend your live show in Detroit. Loved it. Thank you. You're doing God's work. Appreciate you. We plan to also attend your gig in Philly and wish we would have known uh, of you when you were in L.A. for Mania. Jeez, this is a great email. All right, now that I've got that out of the way, being a psycho collector of vintage wrestling t-shirts, figs, and general wrestling memorabilia, and knowing that you like to scratch that figure it yourself, my question is, if you could propose a new Mattel Creations crowdfund, what would you choose and why? I've been thinking we need a Lex Luger accompanied by a Lex Express bus, American flag, soft goods, trousers, and that mid-90s bad attitude. Ha ha, keep up the great work. Okay, Lex Express is a good good one because you would have to do an elite scale Lex Express, which is a big bus. So that's a big item. It's not going to be on store shelves. I My thing is I want to do a barbershop. Now, WWE doesn't have a Legends deal with Marty Jannetty, so Mattel can't do a Marty Jannetty figure. So I don't, I don't think this is necessarily about that moment. But I would love if Mattel on their website did a crowdfund barbershop set. And it would have the whole barbershop set. It would look like a million bucks. It would have a breakaway window. It would come with Brutus the Barber Beef, Brutus, excuse me, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And then Ultimate Edition. It would also come with, and this is like, you know, you tier it depending on how many people buy it. An Ultimate Edition Shawn Michaels, but with black jeans and the black leather jacket, the outfit that he threw Marty through. I, I say the barbershop window is breakable. And it would also have an Ultimate Edition Sid Justice that had uh, an alternate head that was full of shaving cream from when he destroyed the barbershop and it was the end of the barbershop. I'll go through barbershop history and see if I can figure out more figures to put in the set that have to do with barbershop segments. But I would love it if Mattel crowdfunded a barbershop set. They're doing an LWO box set. They're going to put it up for pre-order in November. And then like it'll be up for two weeks and then gone. But it's a an elite scale pack of all five LWO members. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, barbershop is where I would go. Uh, let's see the three rules of not Sam wrestling. Uh, first time emailer. If you can't pronounce my name, you can call me by my other name, Martin. All right, Martin. Ah, 14 year old from South Africa. I think the reason why Shinsuke didn't win at Fastlane is because, by the way, I love that you're going to be a very smart wrestling fan because this is not for idiots. This podcast, this is not for big dummies. There's other wrestling podcasts out there that are for the huge dummies of the world. 
This one is not for the dummies. So the fact that you're 14 and already listening to Not Sam Wrestling, you're gonna be so far ahead of the curve when it comes to being a wrestling fan. I think the reason why Shinsuke didn't win at Fastlane is because uh, if he had won, there wouldn't be enough baby faces on Raw to challenge him for the title. You could say Cody, Jay, Sammy, and KO, but I think those four are still tied up with Judgment Day and Bloodline. What do you think? I think the Bloodline is tied up with every baby face because there aren't enough heels on Monday Night Raw. And if you put the uh, title on a heel, then all the baby faces would be able to rise up. Uh, also, you're the best wrestling podcaster in the world. I would agree with that. And anyone who isn't, anyone who is watching slash listening and hasn't subscribed, you better subscribe. Also, I live by the three rules of not Sam wrestling. You are a good man. Oh, this is the opposite. Lindsay says, dear Sam, I unsubscribed to your channel today because the way you address fan emails made me remember that there's still a stigma about being a wrestling fan. And sometimes you dismiss your followers in a very hurtful way. I enjoy your content, but how you responded to me just stuck with me all day and actually depressed me. I was so excited to see you on a pre-show. Happy for your success. Please don't bully your fans. Some of us really root for you and it hurts to be so dismissed. Lindsay, Lindsay, let's be fair. First of all, everything on Not Sam Wrestling is in good fun. We all know this. And second of all, if this just happened just now, that means that you either heard or saw me dismiss many fans who are writing in. This is what I do. I dismiss. I do it with love, with peace and love. I don't mean... Anything by it, and I'm sure anybody that I've dismissed, anybody that writes an email into this show, you and I would have a great time hanging out together. I'm sure of it. But I might be dismissive in my tone at times, and that's my cross to bear. But it is not fair to everybody else for you to get mad when I'm dismissive to you, but not get mad when I've been dismissive because I've been doing this for weeks. I'm dismissive to everybody. So don't just get mad because I got dismissive to you. I'm sure that you have many good ideas. I don't remember what I was dismissive about. I apologize if I made your day any worse. I like to be constructive, not destructive. But also, I do these emails after talking about wrestling for over an hour. And sometimes I'm in a mood or I'm hangry or I need a Snickers. What can I tell you? I apologize if I made your day worse, though. I only I only hope to make your day better. Uh, Okay. Okay, listen. Somebody just, the next email in here is an extremely long email. I just said, I don't want, there's a whole thing, dude. Why are you writing this? This is from Dean. I appreciate your appreciation of the sponsored gimmick trends in wrestling. From aggressively banded branded Pizza Hut and Cinnamon Toast Crunch matches, ev uh, inevitably won by Rey Mysterio to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch, Slim Jim Battle Royal, right, 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 right. But the wild brand integration doesn't have to revolve around a single match. I'm talking an entire PLE of thematic profiteering. So for the love of marketing and pro wrestling, okay, this is, you're just getting yourself over here, bud, but I present to you WWE MasterCard presented by MasterCard. That's, all right, that's kind of funny. A shamelessly booked card of unprecedented matchups and brain engagement hosted by the master, Chad Gable. So it's Chad Gable, the master, versus Chris Masters. Steel cage match presented by Masterlock. Carlito versus Mr. Fuji, first bite match presented by Apple. Trent Seven versus Noam Dar. Supernova 11, Heritage Cup Championship presented by 7-Eleven. Okay, Sergeant Slaughter versus Lacey Evans. Boot camp match presented by the Marine. TJP versus MJF presented by TJ Maxx. 
Demon versus Braun Strowman, presented by Monster Energy. Valhalla versus Paul Heyman, presented by Oracle. Hornswoggle versus Enzo Amore, laptop ladder match, presented by Microsoft. Oh, soft. All right. Okay, this is... I'm glad I stuck with it. This one's actually funny. The Rock versus Val Venus, presented by Johnson & Johnson. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I don't like these long emails, and you were just trying to get yourself over, but the Johnson & Johnson match is hilarious. Uh, last email from James. Big fan of the show. Love your, love the way you're able to be analytical without being negative. I love wrestling. Why would I be negative? Constructive, not destructive. Uh, my question is, do you think WWE putting the tag straps on Jay and Cody is related to potentially pivoting to a Rock Roman main event at WrestleMania 40, a tag feud with Jimmy Solo feels likely? Could those evolve into single matchups at Mania? J Jimmy versus Jay, Cody versus Solo? It's all very possible, you know? I think uh, I think the great thing about WWE right now is uh, there's a plan A, B, and C. All of them make sense. All of them have great payoffs. Um, that's why it's so good to have multiple stories interweaving because we can just get off on any exit of the highway that makes sense for everybody. It's great. You're great. I'm great. Everyone's great. Hope you had a great time listening or watching not Sam Wrestling. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. If that's where you're consuming the podcast, then leave a comment, like, subscribe, uh, do the whole deal. Uh, we'll have more content coming later this week. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave a review, leave a rating. If you're listening on Spotify, I think there's a Q&A thing you can answer. You can also leave a rating. It's all very, very helpful. Appreciate all of you. And I will see you uh, later this week for more great Not Sam Wrestling content. Toodaloo.